Winnipeg's Grant Davidson, aka Slow Leaves, released his fifth album, entitled Meantime, at the end of June. I had the great good fortune to chat over Zoom with Grant in the lead up to its release, and man, what a chat it was. He was immensely forthcoming. He was open, honest, and very funny. We chat about his path to songwriting and the decision to finally give in and do it for real, followed by the constant nagging need to justify that decision to himself. Also, the challenge as a man to show your vulnerability and weakness. The origins of his moniker Slow Leaves, or is it Slow Leaves? How the photo on the cover of his latest album came to be, and, well, so much more. I had a terrific time chatting with Grant. I hope you enjoy it. Here's my wake-up call with Slow Leaves. Hey, Grant. Hey, Andrew. Hey, man. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you perfect. How about, I guess you can hear me. I can hear you. I can see you. You look great. Good enough, hey? I like that t-shirt. Oh, a little wrinkly, but uh, is it a is it is it tie-dyed in some way or is it what is it? What's going on there? Uh, it's uh, polar bears. It's several. It's many polar bears. My wife used to work at the uh, the zoo here. Oh, cool! Of course, we have a big polar bear exhibit because people come through here to go to Churchill, which is sort of polar bear capital. It sure is. And she, I think she was gifted this shirt. She was like, "Well." He wasn't going to wear it. It's like, hey, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah. So your wife works at the Winnipeg Zoo. No, she used to. Or she used to. Well, she used to work at the park. I see. Of which the zoo was part. She's also quit and become a, a songwriter. <laughs> no, thank God. It's bad enough having one in the family. <laughs> no, she did a, just a, it was a time for a career change. So now do I have it right that uh, he, did you, when you were in school, was it environmental science? That, That's right. Uh, was that your background? Yeah. Uh, any inclination for you to uh, to work at the Winnipeg Zoo? Uh, did she live out your dream? And did you live vicariously through her? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's the uh, that's the streamline. Yeah, you, you go to university, you go straight to the zoo with an environmental science degree. That's right. Uh, no, not at all. I mean, like many things in life. See, the the thing is, we, my wife and I, her name's Karen. I'll give her, I'll grant her a name here. <laughs> We uh, we met because we were both in environmental science at the University of Manitoba. But yeah, it's one of those, you know, it's generally, it's a science degree. So you, you sort of don't walk right into some career waiting for you. You know, I was sort of, I was noodling on guitar, writing music at the time, you know, and kind of wanted to, I was playing like coffee shop shows and stuff. And then uh, basically just lived in limbo because I still, I didn't fully commit to playing music full-time either at the point. So I just sort of had one foot in one world, one foot in the other, but never really built uh, anything um, in either world. So uh, that was sort of my 20s. Mm. And it actually wasn't until I was in my early 30s that I quit my job, my day job, and said, you know what, I got to do something with this music or I'm going to, you know, turn 60 and just uh, wonder, wonder what the hell I did. You know, you never know. It's hard to plan things. Just life life unfolds sometimes. I think it's easy to plan things. It's hard it's hard to execute those plans. Mm, no? Right. I, I told my dad I have a five year plan and then I talked to him about it and he said, That's not a plan, that's a goal. What's the plan? And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fair enough. See, I I I'm a terrible planner. Um I uh quickly get overwhelmed by the details. I'm not a details guy. I'm a I'm more of a vague notion of something fairly obscure kind of guy. <laughs> so I I sort of wade through, you know, these kind of 
nebulous clouds. And, uh, I, you know, I sort of make my way towards something, but, uh, it probably explains a lot. If we really wanted to like psychoanalyze, it probably explains a lot why I, uh, maybe I haven't achieved more concrete sort of goals in my life. It's because I never really set out to have, I never laid out any concrete goals. You, you could maybe retroactively, if, if you want, we could do it here. You could retroactively set out those goals and having achieved them already, you, you could check them all off. Well, hey, look, I mean, I, you know, not to downplay my achievements, I've achieved, you know, some things. But yeah, that's like these people who make, uh, you know, a checklist for today and they've already, you know, made their bed, make, made my bed check, you know. Totally. <laughs> I can't, I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to lie to myself quite a bit you know, in the usual sense, but that's just too blatant of when I can't, I have a hard time with that. What was the last lie you told yourself, Grant? Oh man, the last lie. <laughs> well, that's just, I don't, I don't tell myself little lies. It's the big ones, you know? I mean, really, I'm trying to, you know, I, I think part of my process of just being alive and what I give a lot of my brain energy, energy towards other than just like the mundane sort of tasks of life is, uh, what uh, I decide really matters. I mean, I'm talking about in the big things of, of life, right? Um, easier said than done, of course. But I spent a lot of my time with that, uh, with that because it's sort of necessitated in a way by choosing to, to, to try to make a career out of being a musician and a songwriter, which, you know, is not really, a, there's no kind of laid out path to walk down. So you're kind of, you know, feeling your way through the woods a lot. And it requires you to continually like stop and question why the hell you're there and not walking on the path that everybody else is walking on. That's beaten down and, and uh, easy to travel, mm. you know, mm. not just not to extend the metaphor too far, but, um, but it's, it's required me to stop and reassess many, many times. Uh, and it's stuff I think about daily, even, you know, I don't think that's uncom or just unique to, uh, to musicians. I think a lot of people, sort of go through that because you know who knows what you're supposed to do with your life but that's sort of i guess yeah it took the, the the big and small answer to that is um the lies that i tell myself are are in some ways like necessary lies because you sort of in a way you have to choose the lie that you want to believe that's going to help you move you know uh most most smoothly or at least like maybe uh, towards happiness it's a bit of a grand goal but you know, these are the decisions people make and, uh, in terms of how you prioritize the things you do in your life. Generally towards, you know, hopefully you're thinking about what makes a good life for you. And that's that's what I'm working on. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of decisions and, and decisions made towards uh, happiness and making a, a good life, we were chatting uh, about, about your wife, Karen, and uh, in your early 30s, you uh, quit your day, your day job. Um, and I, I've heard you say that it was, you know, at least in part due to, to Karen's uh, uh, provocation of saying, just just do it. Uh, quit being, you know, half in, half out of, of everything right now. We'll make it work. And I've, I've, I've heard you say that um, with that choice came the puzzle of continually having to justify it. Yeah. Who are you justifying it to? I imagine you're justifying it to yourself. Um, but who, but who, who, who needs the justification and, and how do you go about justifying it? Yeah. Great question. Um, it really is. It's to myself. I mean, there's, there's many sort of sides to it, right? Like first off, uh, Karen is, is extremely supportive and, and believes 
that I'm doing what I am best at. And so, I mean, she supports me doing that. And I think, you know, there's, there's more to it to that. There's, a, there's also the sense like, you know, I, I could become a, an electrician or something. Um, but I think she, even more than me, probably understands that I wouldn't be any happier with a regular paycheck mm. um, because the work, not that you can't find meaning in that work, but for me, it wouldn't be meaningful in the way that, you know, creating art is. Mm. So we might have more stable income, but I might be, I'd, I'd likely be even more miserable. So <laughs> not to, not to give it, you know, leave her with the bleakest of choices between, you know, which, uh, which levels of misery she wants to have a husband with that. <laughs> um, but that's, that's sort of, you know, there's that part as well. Um, but so it's, it's really, it's really justifying it to myself. Uh-huh. Now, of course, if, 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 uh, if I wasn't making any money at it and all indicators were that I stunk at it, that would be different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I am, I think I'm pretty good at it. And, and there does seem to be a sufficient amount of feedback to, to let me know that I'm not completely de- delusional, that there's other people who agree. And, um, so that helps me move forward with it. Um, the money piece is always the, the biggest struggle, you know. If I was making lots of money, I wouldn't question it. <laughs> do you think but, that's true? Do, do, do you think you, if you were making? No, I don't think that's true. That's another lie. Uh-huh. No, it's probably it's probably not true. I think I think I'm one of those people, and I think a lot of people are like this. That um, uh, I'm I'm never really settled, you know. And I think no matter what you what kind of success you achieve, there's always someone who looks like they've done more or they've done better. And you're always measuring to pe- yourself to people who are above you and feeling pity about yourself. And, uh, and I know that cause I, you know, I know there's a lot of musicians. You probably think I, they look at me and like, Oh man, this guy's, you know, he's on the radio in Halifax. And, uh, <laughs> you know. uh but you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I've achieved certain things that when I was younger, it'd be like, Oh man, I, you know, I wish I could do that someday. So, there's that, right? Um, the hardest thing, obviously, is just to like sit back and, and look at the good things in your life and, and think, you know what, this is pretty good. And I guess gratitude is like a big uh, thing. I'm not really into that. I sort of shy away from uh, whatever becomes trendy that I see too much online. I, I immediately, it repels me in a way. But the concept itself makes a lot of sense, right? Easier said than done. So, I don't have any kind of like practice or anything, but once in a while I sort of say to my wife, you know, you know, things are pretty good. Mm. <laughs> There's no short answers with me. There's no short answers. Unfortunately. Sorry. No, I like that. I like that <laughs> about you, Grant. Um, earlier in that, in, in that response somewhere on, on the landscape of that response, you, you said you'd be even more miserable uh, than you are now. Yeah. You said it with a laugh, obviously. Um, but I have also heard you say that you have a, uh, I have an undercurrent of sadness, and I think about it a lot. A lot of the work that I do is aimed at, if not coming to understand it, at least coming to terms with it. It's yeah, I I do believe that. I mean, yeah, I, I say jokingly, you know, she gets to choose between what what levels of misery I, I would be in. But you know, I, yeah, I'm being facetious in a way. But I, I am, you know, I I have my moments of depression. Like I, I fortunately, I've never like sunk so deep that it's like been debilitating in my life or anything like that. But I, I have my ups and downs and my, my, my downs are a little deeper than some people's. Um, 
So it's easy to wallow in those kind of moments. And especially in music, and I think in a, in a lot of like arts, um, your success is so dictated by other people validating it for you. And that usually comes through industry and fans. And I mean, fans are great regular people, you know, send nice messages, but the industry is just uh, not to throw it all under the bus, but it's, you always have to question like what made these people the gatekeepers of what's good and not. And uh, it's, it's easy to just to, to take, obviously like any kind of negativity, sometimes it's overblown, you magnify and focus on it. It, it eclipses any of the good feedback you get. And so there's that there's moments where something doesn't work out or I get declined on something or, or whatever. I feel rejected and I can dip into that and feel sorry for myself. And, and, you know, what the hell am I doing? Like, why am I, why do I bother doing this? Maybe I should just, you know, quit and do some, do a regular job, all that stuff. There's, it sort of happens periodically and it cycles, you know, it's, it's a, mm. uh, but yeah, I have lots of moments where I'm, I'm generally, like, like I said, I generally have a, a pretty good life it's easy to overlook the things that you do have that other people go through their entire life and don't have you know um like a, a family and a partner that that is truly well matched and uh, uh those kind of things you know you can't overlook and i get to travel and you know I, I could list the things but um i was born with an undercurrent of sadness or something like that was the quote mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think my default emotion is um, is one of slight sadness, and I think that's common to people who um, I think spend a lot of time thinking. Life is hard. There's a lot of if if you you don't have to look too far. You just have to open your eyes and you see that there is a lot of sadness. There is a lot of hardship, um, and uh, I think if you're happy all the time, you're you have to ignore that. And uh, I'm not willing to ignore too much. I want to see everything because I'm trying to get an accurate read on things just for myself so I can make my way through it. Um, but of course, you know, uh, the, the sadness, the, the chaos of it, the, 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 the giant mess that it is, is what makes it so interesting. It obviously highlights the, the, the happiest times, right, or within that context, which was what makes them even more valuable. So not to philosophize too much, but... Uh, but that's sort of my take on it. I think the world is is full of sadness, and I'm often uh, I see it. I'm aware of it. I don't always think about it, but it's there, and it's 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 in me as well. You talk a lot about the vulnerability uh, that um, I guess is well. Is it being asked of you, or I mean, perhaps you're asking it of yourself um, as a songwriter? And I I have thought about it a lot as an actor who has you know eventually turned songwriter um for myself and when i'm acting i have uh i know i have a mask of a character and i i'm i'm, I'm also able to use someone else's words to help edify me uh up there but as a songwriter i i've got none of that and um i know that as a as a music lover i appreciate the performers who are able to embrace that fear um, and vulnerability about that. You've said that your songs are pieces of your life and it takes a lot out of you. You said it makes you vulnerable and there's a certain amount of energy that comes with that. There's a cost. What is that cost for you? These are great questions. I must say, um, I'm enjoying this. Thanks Grant. <laughs> what is the cost? The cost is that you're taking some 
if you're doing it right, you're isolating some piece of yourself. You're identifying something that is honest and true to you. And it, and, and you're, you're, you're showing it to people. You're bringing it out. I mean, we spend so much of our time in our lives. Everybody does hiding that, right. Uh, projecting that everything is good, that, mm. you know, that we're succeeding. I mean, obviously, I mean, the social media would be the easiest example of this, right. Very demonstrative. Um, I mean, any art you're trying to, to tease away all that bullshit. And so I think the hard part is do Well, there's two things. There's, you got to, you got to do a lot of work, personal work to be able to get into those spaces, those mental spaces and to see them because it, it might not be comfortable. And not only that, you have to, the temptation is to turn away and ignore. And that's why so much, so many of us have uh, tons of baggage uh, because we all sweep things under the rug that are unpleasant. The hard part is to take a look under there, know that it's there and actually spend some time with it. And then, you know, and I think the best artists do that, do this. They spend time in those places that not everybody else wants to stay. And they come back with these, uh, if they're good, they come back with these, these beautiful jewels um, that we can all um, feel a bit of what they, of their work. We can feel some of that. And that's why, you know, music and art is so moving to people. It'll bring you to tears because you're, you're getting the fruits of someone else's hard emotional labor and you're getting some of that uh, benefit. So that's the hard part. That's what I try to do. I mean, not in every song, right? Some songs are lighter than others, but some of the heavy lifting, uh, I try to do that because it also takes a certain amount of bravery. And, um, you know, I'm pretty critical of music and lyrics and there's definitely an easy road that people take and cliches and things like that. And just stuff that's been over, tread and um i don't really want to do that and the only way to, to escape that i think is to make your songs as personal as you can because obviously you're the owner of at least one unique life and uh yeah so i, I guess that's sort of what I, that's the cost is is that you put that out there and you're you're incredibly vulnerable because you're showing weakness and it's hard to show weakness especially uh you know as a man um, you're sort of, you're not supposed to do that. Um, you're supposed to show strength. And I think the hardest thing to do is, is show your weakness. Um, but in doing that, you know, if you do it well, it becomes a strength, I think, you know, not to get too far into it, but there's, there's certain ideas, certain words that start coming out when I have a, an idea for a song that's really resonating with me, something very personal. It's like, you can feel it well up in you. And, uh, it's almost like if I, if I, if I could feel again, going back to being a man, like it's really hard for me to cry. There's very few moments in my life where I've actually cried, but there's, there's been many moments where I've wanted to because the pressure builds, but my, 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 you know, the, the ducks in my eyes aren't trained to release and I've wanted to many times and couldn't, mm. but to get that feeling that I want to cry and it doesn't have to be a, a sadness either, but just like, to tap into that emotion that is so often locked down and, and kept kept under um, is a powerful thing. There's a release, um, but it uh, it takes a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that when you're singing, are you singing your tears? <laughs> yeah, I better be careful of the sound bites someone else is going to use in an interview after this. 
So I read you're a crybaby here. <laughs> I feel like I hear you cry in, in your songs in some ways, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. You transpose the tears to your voice. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I mean, I think, I don't know, a voice, you sort of, I guess you, you just try and communicate through it. Um, I'm sort of given the voice I have. I don't know. It's just what I have. But um, but yeah, I think, I, I guess, yeah, I, that's what I try to do because I, I'm a firm believer that any, almost anybody, I shouldn't say anybody, almost anybody can sing. And I mean, my favorite voices are people like Bob Dylan and um, I, I love Obviously, I love a great singer, but to me, there's something much more interesting about someone who doesn't have a typically nice voice, but still communicates that whole spectrum of feeling. Right. But yeah, I, on stage, you sort of asked about on stage, do I feel that? Sometimes I do, if everything's kind of lined up right and working. But as as a performer, you probably understand, like, sometimes it's not there and you just have to perform. You just have to do it. That's right. Yeah. And so if you're... If you're Doing it well enough, most people won't know the difference. Right. But on stage, there's there could be a million things going through your head that aren't the song. You know, it's like trying to hear yourself in your monitors properly, or some guy is just staring at you with his arms crossed in the audience. All sorts of stuff. Right. That don't let you sink. Right. You're always aiming to lose yourself, and that's when the real magic happens. But it doesn't always. You're not always fortunate enough for that. So I mean, I, I think as the great Eminem said, you, you got to lose yourself in the music. Exactly. I mean, is he a big influence on you when you talk about voices and major artists? I put that uh, quote up above my uh, <laughs> studio desk. It's embroidered. <laughs> it's embroidered. Of course it is. Yeah, I paid someone to do it. It was that meaningful. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it's funny, though. My, my son's in, big into Eminem. He's 13. Uh, and, uh, I never really listened much to Eminem. You know, I was, I, I, when he was big, I was, I was big into sort of like more like 1960s, 70s stuff. Mm. And, um, so I didn't really pay much attention, but it makes sense to me that my son likes it because obviously he's going to go a different route than me by necessity. And, um, but I like that he, he, he's looking for lyrics that, that speak to him. Uh-huh. Eminem, if nothing else, was singing about real stuff in his life. So it wasn't a huge influence on me. That surprises me. That's a, it's a big revelation, I'd say, for probably all the listeners right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, and this is something, a big revelation for all the listeners who thought that Eminem was a great influence on Slow Leaves. But here's the thing, Grant. I've heard you say Slow Leaves. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. I never, I, I never thought about the distinction. I wouldn't worry about it. Potato, potato. You know, I got to say, I I put music out as uh, Clever Hopes. And part of why I did that, when I was trying to come up with a name, I thought about you. I'd never met you, but I thought about Slow Leaves and I thought, I really, man, I dig that name. Oh, cool. Can I ask you why you landed on Slow Leaves? Now, I, I know you transitioned from being Grant Davidson to Slow Leaves, but the Slow Leaves itself, that image, that idea, what? What does it mean to you? I I got it from a poem. So did I. Clever Hopes is from a poem. Nice. Well, you know, we turn to the poets when we really need some nice words, right? I guess we do. A writer that I've I've loved for a long time and has always remained, you know, really dear to me is an Argentinian poet, Jorge Luis Borges. It was I I was trying to think of a name. I wanted to have that change, you know. I, I from I didn't want to use Grant anymore. Too kind of boring. I like the idea of having a a, a band name. 
Um, so I, I sort of was scour scouring stuff and I just came across that in one of his poems. Um, and I just, I, I, I really liked the feel of it in my mouth. Um, the feel of it, the feel of the words, uh, and the sort of the poetic ambiguity of it. Um, it just felt kind of fitting to the music that I like to make. And I, I think that's true. Um, it just kind of fit. I mean, that said, I always feel a little funny still, like if I'm playing solo, you know, being called slow leaves is one person always feels a bit weird, but uh, I'm glad you like it. It's one of those things that I, I, I do struggle with a bit. I wrestle with it a bit coming to terms with that sort of duality of using this moniker, but at the same time trying to pull back the curtain on my personal things. It sort of seems counterintuitive to me. <laughs> yeah. In the poem from which you you took slow leaves, is is the poet talking about leaves from a tree, or is it the, uh, a way of leaving, uh, um, of exiting? What what's the what is the context? Um, I think it's referring to leaves falling slowly, but but as in any poem, any good poem, you know, it, there's layers of meaning sort of built baked into it, into the whole thing. I mean, even the fact it conjures fall, right? And even fall, you know, all the all the sort of metaphorical like end of things and and time passing, like the leaving, and all of those things are sort of uh, wound up into a tight ball of you know time passing. So all of that kind of just it has meaning for me because I've obsessed with ideas of of time passing ever since I was a little kid. Some of my first feelings of unease of existential unease were associated with recognizing time only moving in one direction, you know, and uh, obviously that's not a unique thought to me at all, but um, it is, it is uh, more than anything else. I think the the one concept that truly defines uh, us as people is our awareness of that and, and trying to come to terms with, with what that what that means for for our lives being aware of that so anyway maybe that's i'm going to step too far with the name but it, to me that conjures up all of those things that i think is what initially appealed to me on a just an emotional level time does march on we we are uh here at the cusp of getting cut off here your new album meantime comes out at the end of this month speaking of the ends um and i think it's the cover photo it's a woman on a beach. Is that the is that the album art? Yes, that's the album cover. Yeah, now, it's a beautiful photo. It's it's full of you know the sunniest of oranges and yellow hues. Um, it's all, almost something autumnal about it, actually. In in that in that regard, it's taken on a beach somewhere. I don't know where. Uh, and the central focus is the bare back of a of a naked woman sat upon her bent knees at the water's edge, looking out. And I, it's just beautiful. There's a mystery and a nostalgia to it. It makes me it makes me want to ask many questions. Who is she? Where is she? What's she looking at? And why is she naked? Can we end with that? Can you can you talk to me about the uh, the, the the photo on the cover of your new album? I'm glad you like it. Um, I've always I've always loved uh, early photography. Sort of you know it was a new media, uh, and um, I, I love uh, just the when new art forms come along. It's neat to see what people were doing with it, and and. I'll, a lot of the early art, um, just like painting, right? There's a lot of nudes 
Um, and I think people are always been, have always been fascinated with the body. And I think, again, it's just in a simple sense, it's like you shed away the clothes and you, you see just the, the animal, the bare fragile form that we are just like everything else. Suddenly we're in our, we're more easily seen in the context of all other living things without the human artifice. And, uh, so I like old photos like that. I came across one, um, by a German photographer. I can't remember his name, but you know, from the turn of the century and he had all sorts of photos. Um, one of them was of his wife on a beach looking out at the ocean and it was an overcast day and the waves were kind of coming in a bit, you know, not crashing, but, uh, it, there was an unease to the nature and just the vastness of this ocean, um, which is really endless. And she's sort of on her knees in a sort of resigned, but also accepting kind of, uh, feel about it that I just, I was so drawn to this photo and, uh, I couldn't use it because I couldn't find out how to get rights for it or anything. So I thought, well, maybe I could make my own. So, um, so, so that's my wife on the cover. Um, I had the concept of sort of, of course you, uh, you can't recreate something, but it, it becomes its own thing. So we sort of, I used that as the model, but it became its own thing. It's much more serene. Like you said, a bit more peaceful, but, um, I love the way it turned out. And, um, and also she's such a central figure in a lot of the songs on these, on this album, a lot of the songs on all my albums. So it really made sense to me. Grant, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. We're about to get cut off. Um, thanks for taking the time. Grant Davidson, Slow Leaves. Thanks, Andrew. This is great. I got a friend, she won't compromise. When I look down into those bedroom eyes, I can't help but see the worst in me. And then I roll onto my side.
that there is Slow Leaves, the man himself, with a track called Happy All The Time from his fifth studio album, Meantime, that bears a picture of his wife, Karen, on the front cover. When We Wake and the Wake Up Call are written, hosted, produced, and edited by me, Andrew Shaver, for broadcast on CKVE Cove FM. Thanks for listening.